Good morning and welcome to the Vince Coakley radio program. I uh, almost slipped and said our Tuesday broadcast, it's Wednesday. I knew this was going to happen during the course of this week because there was just uh, no no getting around the fact this is a very challenging thing to remember on a holiday week. It always happens. It always happens. We'll talk about what is ahead during the course of the broadcast today. We'll talk about the events that are developing in the Middle East. We have a number of headlines related to concerns about an expanding war, all connected to events in the Middle East. On the political front, our conversation about what Don Jr., as in Donald Trump Jr., is communicating publicly to his dad, apparently drawing a line in the sand about someone who does not belong on the ticket with his father. We will tell you what he had to say about this particular issue. There is a little bit of a panic that is developing over these third-party candidates, Cornell West, RFK, These guys are getting some real traction because people do not like Joe Biden. Heck, a lot of people don't like Biden or Trump. Is it possible some of these independents will get some serious traction? And if so, who do they cause the most damage to? You'll hear from one political analyst who offers his opinion. Crime concerns in the Big Apple, now magnified by the additional migrants who are going into that city we'll tell you what the mayor has to say there is a lawsuit that has been filed against the department of health and human services and it relates to this thing called gender affirming care i call this gender rejecting care we'll tell you why doctors have a problem with what the justice the health and human services department is doing Then we've got some bizarre cultural stories. How about tampons in the men's bathroom? Well, one idiot lawmaker, really not lawmaker, but one idiot politician in another country is behind one such effort. We'll tell you who this is. I I just, whatever little respect I had for this guy, it's gone. It's just really gone. I can think of a few names, but I'm going to try to behave myself today. And also in the category of bizarre cultural trends, if you think the sexual revolution has gone too far, well, we've got another story that will absolutely blow your mind. I mean, you think you've heard it all? We've got a new one for you. I mean, some of these things, you're like, okay, is this person for real? And sadly, I have to tell you, yes, this person really is for real. There's some people getting some really weird things. Let's just say, I'll at least give a lot of these people credit. A whole lot of credit. (laughs) at least most people credit for choosing humans. I'm just going to stop there. I think that is all the hints you need about the story that is coming up. This one is a real winner, ladies and gentlemen. I promise you will be entertained. But I want to begin by talking about the bread and butter for Charlotte. When you think about the city of Charlotte, what stands out as the premier industry? What stands out as the industry that's really put Charlotte on the map? Well, it's banking. So it's intriguing to see the story that banks have got 60,000 jobs amid one of the toughest years since the 2008 financial crisis. 
this really gives you some perspective, doesn't it? When you think about the turmoil of that time period, and when you hear any comparisons to that, it tells you this is something significant. Global banks underwent significant workforce reductions in 2023, cutting over 60,000 jobs, level of cutbacks not witnessed since the 2008 financial crisis. Business News reports as the financial institutions emerge from the challenges posed by the COVID-19 pandemic, they reversed their hiring trends. Lee Thacker, owner of financial services headhunting firm, Silvermine Partners commented most banks there is no stability, no investment, no growth, and more jobs are likely to be cut. That's certainly not good news. The investment bank saw a second straight year of declining fees because of a slowdown in deal-making and public listings, prompting Wall Street to reduce headcount to protect profit margins. Well, this is what you do in thin times. You thin the herd. According to the Financial Times estimates, the world's 20 largest banks will cut at least 61,905 jobs in 2023. This is a substantial figure. It falls short of the more than 140,000 cut by similar institutions during the global financial crisis of 2007 and 8. However, the data compiled using company disclosures and independent reporting focuses on major banks excluding smaller institutions and minor staff reductions. The total job losses in the sector are anticipated to be higher. Unlike previous years, when European lenders struggling with historically low interest rates drove massive job losses, at least half of the 2023 cuts originated from Wall Street. The challenges it faced included difficulties in adapting to the rapid pace of interest rate increases in the U.S. and Europe. Switzerland's UBS emerged as the top contributor to job cuts, eliminating 13,000 positions. They still have a headcount of 116,000 after acquiring Credit Suisse. Now we get to what is most of interest to you. Wells Fargo, the second largest contributor to job cuts in 2023. They have a significant presence here in the city of Charlotte. Revealed a reduction of its global workforce by 12,000 to 230,000. Major Wall Street banks, including Citigroup, Morgan Stanley, our own Bank of America, Gordon, Goldman Sachs, and J.P. Morgan Chase collectively plan to cut at least 30,000 jobs for 2023. The cause of this insufficient revenues prompting a response to overexpansion and political cost-cutting measures. Thacker saying of this current environment, the revenues are not there. So this is partly reaction to overexpansion. But there's also a simple explanation, political cost-cutting. And as this story has mentioned, there are indications this cost-cutting is likely to continue into 2024. What impact will this have in the city of Charlotte, especially with the two major banks, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, headquartered here? Well, time will tell. Time will tell. If you work for a bank, I'd be very curious to hear from you. Obviously, you don't have to reveal what you do, but I'd love to hear your level of concern and maybe any observations you have about your experience in the workplace. Is there a tense environment right now as people have some measure of concern about the future of their jobs? Back on the Vince Coakley radio program. A lot of things going on in our world as it relates to war. We talked yesterday about Ukraine, about the Middle East. One of the unfortunate things about the Middle East are all the possibilities for the ways this could actually blow up and expand far beyond 
the theater of conflict between Hamas and Israel. In fact, Israel is finding itself with a battle on a number of fronts. Here are just some of the drudge headlines on this entire war matter. Israel in war on seven fronts. Seven of them. That is a real mess to deal with. Which means this goes beyond Hamas. They've won there in a war on seven fronts as attacks recorded in a handful of neighboring countries in the last 40 hours spark fears the conflict escalating to the wider region. They're saying they're coming under attack from Gaza, Lebanon, Syria, the West Bank, Iraq, Yemen, and Iran. A multi-front war. Seven theaters. At this point... No indication from Israel about how they plan to respond to all of these threats. But this is obviously not a good thing. It's a very volatile situation. Skepticism grows over the ability to dismantle Hamas. And one of the big problems with this entire thing, and I think you understand this, and, and this is the caution I put to people in this country who feel good because they've, you know, we're going to own the liberals. We're going to take down the liberals. And I always warn you, it's the ideology that has to be defeated. It's not people. This is one of the dangers of what is taking place now with Israel because they may find themselves mired in what amounts to an endless war because there's always people who are joining this effort to promote this deadly ideology this goes back to Sharia we've talked about this we haven't had a conversation about this lately but this idea of Sharia is the very heart of what is taking place now. And unless there's a renunciation of Sharia by the people who are on the front lines of this battle, how do you expect this to stop? It's not going to stop. IDF soldier dies of superbug infection from contaminated Gaza soil. E. Fears rising of widened Middle East conflict and American troops are in the firing line. We've discussed this and the dangers here. How does the United States respond, for instance, to these ongoing provocations from Iran? We know Iran is behind it. I have to give, well, I'm not sure if I give this president credit for patience or whether this is not the right thing to do. Maybe these folks need to be hit hard, and there needs to be the understanding, you don't screw around with Americans. And not that we would throw our friends in Israel under the bus, but I think we should make very clear, you may think you can play footsie with the Israelis. You start messing with our troops, we're going to blow the hell out of you. U.S. shoots down 12 suicide drones, three anti-ship missiles, two land attack missiles fired by Houthis. This goes back to Yemen, and this group is connected to Iran. It's really no secret here. So again, the question, how do we properly address this issue? Do we risk the possibility of a wider war and actually take the necessary stand to get this situation under control and reestablish what I believe is respect, at least should be respect, for the United States of America. What is your thought on this matter? I want to delve into a couple of political items as it relates to the presidential contest. As you know, all the buzz right now centers around one Nikki Haley, the former South Carolina governor. She is the person 
that the establishment has decided should be the person that everybody rallies behind to take down Donald Trump. That's the hope, anyway. New York Post has this headline, Don Jr. puts his dad on notice over buzz of Nikki Haley as the vice presidential pick and says he would intervene. Hmm. Throwing cold water on the notion former President Donald Trump would select his former U.N. ambassador as, as his running mate. Trump Jr. adamant about flexing his cloud to ensure Haley does not get that position. Hmm. Miss Haley has rocketed in 2024 GOP primary polling over recent weeks, coming within four points of Trump in a recent American Research Group survey. She served as Trump's ambassador to the UN from 2017 to 2018. Amid her polling surge, there have been some murmurs about her becoming his vice president, including from former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' campaign is needled her over the VP chatter, recently launching a website for Trump Nikki 2024. <laughs> Donald Trump Jr. is indicating he's going to intervene if Nikki Haley <laughs> is indeed a candidate to serve as his father's vice president. Here is what Don Jr. had to say about the matter. I wouldn't have her out. I would go to great lengths to make sure that that doesn't happen. Nikki Haley wants never-ending wars. She's a puppet of the establishment in Washington, D.C. Uh, she's the new favored candidate of the billionaire class because they want control. No different than academia and Harvard and using you know, their billions to exercise influence. They want someone they control. Uh, Ron DeSantis has proven that he doesn't have what it takes to be on that stage. He's embarrassed himself that way. She's now the preferred candidate. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to be real with you. And I'm going to make very clear, I am not a Nikki Haley fan. I do not want to see her at the top or the bottom of this ticket. I just don't. Please go away, Miss Nikki Haley. But having said this, I would also add, I'm so sick of this family. I'm just going to say it. Donald Trump Jr. Notice how quickly he just dismisses Ron DeSantis. This guy has more integrity than you and your entire family. I'm just sick of all of these people. The sense of entitlement and the smug arrogance from every single one of these people, uh, we will all be a better country when this family's out of the picture. I'm just being real with you. No, I don't want Nikki Haley, but I don't want this family either. We don't need another, we don't need a Republican royalty, kind of like the Kennedys. I'd love to get your thoughts as we continue the broadcast. Back to the Vince Coakley Radio Program on this Wednesday. Still to come, we have Wellness Wednesday. I'm going to share with you a social media post from a friend of mine named Travis. I like a lot of his ideas. I don't know that I embrace 100% all of them. I, I think they're interesting. And they certainly are items that should prompt some conversation. I'll be very eager to hear if some of you agree with these ideas and would like to embrace some of them as well. First, we go all out to the sprawling metropolis of Gastonia and Matt, who joins us. Good morning, Matt. Welcome. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? All right, sir. Good, good. One quick question. I, I know earlier you had mentioned that you feel like America would be much better off when the Trump family is kind of out of the way, out of the picture. And I and I and I can agree with that in some aspects. But just to throw a little curve there, I, I can say I'm 42 years old. The Trump family, or not family, excuse me, Donald Trump is the only president that has truly. Truly, when you look at almost, almost all the angles have been for the American people. Now, I know there's angles that we can look at, and there's ways that things can be twisted and turned. But in my lifetime, he's the only president that's done what he said he was going to do, and he didn't get everything done. And I'm sure some of that was by design. But he is for the people, and I really feel that. And I'm not fleeced by it. I've been looking at it. I try not to be an uninformed voter. I like right. Ron DeSantis. But 
Trump has proven himself. He has proven himself. And I just, you know, when it comes to the family, I can look past the family dynamic to have him in the White House again because he's going to get things done. And so I just feel like, you know, is the I don't know. I, I, I agree, disagree. It's like a mixed feeling. I know. I know. I believe me. Believe me, I understand where you're coming from. I'm con- I'm as conflicted about this as you are in in that sense, uh, because part of part of my concern here, and I, and if you've listened to the program on a regular basis, I'm not just concerned about the things that are done. I'm concerned about the atmosphere of the country, and right. this is something that I don't think Donald Trump is very helpful for at all. Uh, certainly not only in the short term, but the long term. Uh, that's my concern. And uh, so, uh, and, and the other part of this is when you get into family dynamics, uh, and there's no perfect family, I get that. But this family, I just, they send chills down my spine. They just do. I, I just don't get a good vibe on this. And don't you find it interesting that his daughter and son-in-law are completely out of the picture this time around. I think they've decided to take the money and run. They got a a pretty nice deal that they worked out with. I can't remember which country uh, they had some sort of investment from. I don't think they want to be anywhere near any of this uh, this time around. So oh, I, yeah, I, I think it could get much uglier. I think oh. you know, I don't think that we've seen. I don't think that we've begun to see truly what all the Democrats are going to uncover. I mean, you've got a lot of nonsense going on with Trump right now, but I believe there are some valid points and valid things in there that they can dig up. Anybody that's going to be a multi-billionaire in his family is is connected in so many different ways. Somewhere along the line, somebody's done something crooked. Oh, I know. I, I know. I know I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. By the way, what do you, what do you think is going to happen with these criminal cases? I think that they're all going to be dismissed. I think he'll get hung on probably two of them. Um... And I think that, but I don't know how it's going to affect his presidency. I really don't. I think that, you know, and I'm one of the guys that, you know, I know people don't want to hear this and nobody wants to to acknowledge it. And and I'm not trying to be some country bumpkin that just is ignorant. I do feel like the election was tampered with in some way uh, this past one. And I I honestly feel like even with Trump on the ticket, I do not think he'll win the presidency. I think that the establishment is crooked that's in there now. And I think the country is very, you know, tainted and i believe that they'll do whatever it takes to make sure that that uh whatever process they have going now the, the direction they're going now they don't lose direction back and it's a socialist ideology and it's it's, it's going to destroy this country but we're, we can't do something about it do you think biden will be on the, on the ticket i do i think biden will be on the ticket and um i think that you know i do think somewhere along the way there will be another nomination come up for, some, for somebody in in the democrat party because He's not sustainable. He cannot beat Trump. He cannot beat him. Not without some kind of tampering being done. So with that being said, they have to have somebody else there. And I'm really curious to see who that's going to be last minute. So you think they're going to make a switch I do. next year? I, along the way somewhere. I don't only yeah. think a switch so much. I think they'll have him and someone else. And I think they'll choose someone that is charismatic, like Trump, that is a lot like Trump for the Democratic people. And, and, and I'm just waiting to see who that is. <laughs> that is going to be interesting. They've got to match Trump's power. They've got to match his ego. They've got to match the match him. And that's the real. energy, the energy, right. right? Because there's no energy with this Mister Magoo character. Uh, it's uh, you're dealing with somebody who's pretty much uh, just a few steps away from being a corpse. I mean, I, I'm oh, sorry, but that's that's just reality. Matt, good to hear from you. Do call again. I'd love to get your perspective as things develop. Caroline, we have uh, about a minute out of Mount Holly. Uh, what are your thoughts, Caroline? Okay, this is what I, you know, um, when you look at life itself, if I ran a, comp- a comp- company and I need somebody to make me money, and uh, I wouldn't be interviewing them for their personality. I would be interviewing them for their knowledge and what they could get done. And I feel sure that this is what Trump brings to the United States. And um, who else would go through what this man has gone through and his family? He's a true patriot. He is not going to give up. He's going to try to save our country from socialism. And that's why the other side is fighting so hard to keep him out. 
and all this negative stuff. I mean, uh, we have to look at what Trump can do for our country, not his personality. Well, uh, well I have to ask you, Caroline, if you're concerned about socialism, why would you attack other conservatives who are in the same battle with you? Uh, I can't answer that. He probably knows more than I do. No, he doesn't uh, know any more than you do, Caroline. Uh, uh, this is part of the I point that I'm making. This, well, Caroline, Caroline, this has to be a team effort. And if this man thinks he's single-handedly, or if you think and others think he's going to single-handedly stop socialism, then we are terribly deluded, and we deserve whatever we get. Because well, I think I think he brings uh, what's best for our country, and he thinks what's best for our country. Maybe he's one of these, look at me, look at me. As long as the bottom line is he does what's best for our country, I will vote for him. Okay, fair enough, Caroline. I very much appreciate your call out of Mount Holly this morning. What are your thoughts as we continue the broadcast on this Wednesday? Still to come. We do have Wellness Wednesday. I'll tell you what one person is looking to do for the new year as we see 2023 come to an end. We'll also talk about presidential candidates on the Democrat side. Could there be a spoiler that screws things up for Joe Biden? Back on our Wednesday edition of the Vince Coakley Radio Program, let's go out to a call from Ed in York. Good morning, Ed, and welcome. Thank you very much, Vince. Uh, Our country, as far as I can tell, is completely dissolved by this current administration. They've destroyed our borders. Uh, We now have illegal... immigrants who are on police forces in the United States, United States police forces. We have now we have 150,000 Americans dying from fentanyl each year. Last year was 125 and it's going up. And the people behind this and indirectly includes Joe Biden. He won't put up a border. In every home, every country needs a border. I worked for a Canadian company once, and they knew who I was. Every month I had to go into Canada, and they would stop me and check me out, make sure I was okay. We do nothing. We let anybody in. And my wife personally has turned in six terrorists who were working as they were Middle Easterners, and they were working in a restaurant dressed as Mexicans and trained in the Spanish voices. There's a training school in Mexico that does this. And she thought there was only one. She called the FBI, and a week later, they arrested six waiters, Mexican, that weren't. They were terrorists getting ready to attack Dover Air Force Base. Wow. And that, they're, they're, and she also found a, um, a, a big store, uh, had a lot, a lot of uh, carriages you, you put your stuff in, and she took a carriage outside and was going to go in with it, and some lady says, Get away from that. That's a bomb that's in that carriage. There was a package in it. So my wife called, and a bomb squad came, and it was a bomb. And I don't want to be afraid to go into my local store. Oh, and one other thing. People are allowed to rob stores (laughs) and tear up stores. Yeah, we've seen... uh, We're in total anarchy. Yeah, we've got places in this country right now where, uh, you know, it's pretty much free-for-all. You can do whatever you want because, hey, we're not going to prosecute because this would be, uh, you know, it would be against social justice. So uh, I certainly understand your concerns. 
Thanks very much for your call. Just a few minutes from now, we have Wellness Wednesday. Several items I think you will appreciate. I first want to go to the concern about 2024, and this concern is on the Democrat side. Breitbart reports Joe Biden's allies are terrified that voters will abandon the unpopular president for third-party candidates whose campaigns have persisted despite extraordinary measures from the Democrat Party establishment. They are long shots to emerge atop the field. We're talking about Cornell West, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. They're resilient as oft-competing factions of the party have coalesced around the goal of keeping Biden in the Oval Office. Who would you talk to about this matter? Or how about one James Carville, the one who helped to get Bill Clinton elected? What does he think about somebody like Cornell West? Could he actually be a spoiler in 2024? Well... First of all, he's obviously an accomplished scholar, academic. Uh, he seems to be a, a, a very charming man. And he's also a minister to the threat of the continued constitutional order in the United States. And it, I, I say that because look what Ralph Nader was directly responsible for the election of George W. Bush, which brought about this horrific Iraq war and this horrific uh, economic downturn we had, among other things. Uh, Jill Stein, who's his campaign manager, is almost certainly an agent of the Russian government. If you don't believe me, somebody at home Google photo General Flynn, Vladimir Putin, Jill Stein. She was hosted by the Russians prior to her running in 2016. So, you know, people are going to have to decide that we want to continue under our Constitution because Donald Trump is telling us that very clearly uh, is bragging about the fact that that he doesn't want to live under the Constitution anymore. And it's very clear that the only thing that Dr. West's candidacy can do is help elect Donald Trump. It's it, it, nothing. I don't, I don't think any of that's inarguable, nor is it arguable that Joe Stein had deep relationships with the Russian government. One of the things that Anderson Cooper continue to question James Carville about, a lot of these people have said, you know, we're only going to vote for Cornell West or for RFK Jr. You know, if these folks were not in the contest, we would not vote at all. Is this actually true? Would they actually stay out of these candidates who are not on the ballot? Here's Carville again. Well, I, 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 how could I argue with that? I'm sure that some of it's true, some of it's not true. I mean, there's I no way to know whether somebody, somebody get, tell a pollster, oh, no, of course I wouldn't vote for any other candidate, but who knows who actually, how right. people would vote. I can't, I, I, I can't disprove that, uh, nor what I, what I want to. But what I do know, there was Russian help. They were telling uh, black voters in Detroit to vote at the wrong place or to vote on Wednesday and not Tuesday. I, that I do know. I do know that Jill Stein was in Moscow, was sitting with General Michael Flint, with Vladimir Putin, was on Russian TV from from Red Square uh, attacking the United States itself. And I do know, I'm told, that, that, that his campaign manager, and it's the same outfit that cost us the election in 2000, could have very well cost us the election in 2016. And I'm just sitting here with a clear present warning, don't fall for this. Do not fall for this. Only bad can come about this. Absolutely. They don't want to see these candidates actually get traction and end up endangering the candidacy of Joe Biden. There's one more item from James Carville. We'll get to that coming up next hour, along with Wellness Wednesday. You do not want to miss it. Stay with us. Hour number two of our broadcast. Before we get to Wellness Wednesday, I want to share this last piece of audio from James Carville. He, of course, is very concerned about what could happen if these basically Democrat candidates get traction running as independents against Joe Biden and Donald Trump, because there are some who have speculated this could hurt Trump. The reality is this could actually splint, splinter the liberal support and undermine Joe Biden's candidacy. 
which is why they are very, very concerned. For good reason. I'd be concerned if I were them too. And then, I think probably the most dangerous person out of all of these folks is one Joe Manchin, who's already decided he's not going to run for his Senate seat in 2024. And there's all kinds of speculation about whether he is going to run as a no-labels candidate and that he might attract a lot of people. I mean, if you had a choice, if you were a Democrat, would you choose Joe Biden or Joe Manchin? I mean, that's a no-brainer for me. (laughs) Here's what James Carville had to say about whether Joe Manchin might be serious about a run for president. I hope not. And uh, they they keep saying that no labels, if they think it's going to help Trump, it won't run. Well, I can tell you right now, it's going to help Trump. That no, there's not a single that I know would would, would argue otherwise. And and plus, their their argument is just flatly ridiculous on his face that that Trump and Biden represent two extremes. I mean, Trump is obviously one of the most extreme people in the United States. Biden is, is certainly not an extreme man. You may say he, he, he's more liberal than I would like, but to equate the two of them is, is absurd. But I, I think that when they get closer to this decision, at least I hope that they see that the only thing that they can do is help elect Trump. And, and, and it's, it's a shame, but President Biden, the Democrats are being caught by the, the, the leftists on one side, and I don't know what the you'd call them no labels people, but kind of caught between. And somebody better think about the good of the future of the United States, because that's literally what's at stake here. James Carville, petrified by the idea of really any of these candidates getting traction against Joe Biden, basically throwing the race to Donald Trump, potentially, in 2024. Now on to Wellness Wednesday, and we have three items we want to share with you. The first is a post from my good friend, Dr. Steve Crosby, who doesn't pull back any punches as a person who's very prophetic. He starts with a quote from Herodotus from the 5th century B.C. Here's what he said. No human being is self-sufficient. What one lacks, another supplies. This ought to be very evident. But unfortunately, even among Christendom, there are a lot of people who, in a practical way, do not really believe this. They are convinced of their own sufficiency, no matter how religious. Steve continues in responding to this, huh? I guess that got lost somewhere along the way to rugged American individualism encapsulated in Western evangelicalism, pretending to be Christianity and pretending to be human. Ooh. Ouch. No human being is self-sufficient. What one lacks, another supplies. So true. Very basic. But very much forgotten. I'm not a big person into... New Year's resolutions. You know, it's kind of funny when I see people say, well, this is not going to happen to me in 2024. You know, this is going to be me. And I'm I'm laughing. You know, if it's really important to change this about your character, why don't you start now? Don't wait another three, four days. Go ahead and be that person now. But I digress. I thought these items that Travis posted on social media might resonate with some of you breaking news we're done celebrating christmas and in five days we will welcome a new year i'm not taking anything with me into 2023 if you owe me don't worry about it just don't ask me because i'm going to remind you (laughs) if you wrong me it's all good if you're beefing with me you won If we aren't speaking, it's cool. Be safe, and I still wish you well. If you're talking about me, thanks for the advertisement. (laughs) If you don't deal with me, continue not to. If you don't like me, I don't care. If you left me hanging, don't pick me up. If you feel I wronged you, I apologize. In all things, I forgive you. 
Life is too short for all this extra, unnecessary drama. No one is promised tomorrow. Happy New Year to you all. I like this post from Travis. This is, uh, I, I would embrace a number of the things he's posted here. And I think the, the heart and spirit of it, I fully embrace, which is, this is a guy just wanting to start off fresh, not wanting to carry baggage into the future. And I think that's a very good thing. Final thing, you may remember John Tesh. I remember him years ago from Entertainment Tonight. Freibert has a story about pianist John Tesh immersing myself in scripture was key to cancer recovery. Award-winning pianist, journalist, radio host John Tesh has been battling cancer since 2015. That's eight years. And credits his continued success to two things, prayer and scripture. He used an interview with the Christian Post to outline how his faith has helped him in his battle since first getting diagnosed with prostate cancer. He believes renewing your mind is one of the most important biblical mandates, yet one of the most overlooked in modern society. I found many people don't truly understand there are dark forces. The devil is after your mind. They don't understand that. It's hard to believe because there are so many movies about it. Many people think that when a thought comes into their mind, it comes from them, and it's not. Sometimes it's put there by another force. If you have so much unbelief and doubt in your heart, it's like two pickup trucks that are chained together going in opposite directions, and you can't get anywhere. A consistent prayer life is like a muscle. You have to work on it. And then you'll read a scripture in the Bible, and all of a sudden you face a different challenge, and that scripture comes alive in a different way. In 2015, the Emmy Award-winning host was diagnosed with a rare form of prostate cancer and given just 18 months to live. 18 months. That was back in 2015. Obviously, he's still here. Since then, he's journeyed through cancer. He said his faith increased greatly, crediting a CD from preacher Andrew Womack, which emphasized Mark 11.23 for providing a breakthrough moment. I'll get to that scripture in a moment. I've read the Bible for years, but I never really truly landed on those scriptures, and that really started a journey of dual modality for me, science and doctors, and also what does the Bible say about health and healing? Today, the Grammy-nominated composer and concert pianist is cancer-free, a miracle he attributes to his Christian faith, the support of his wife, and the wisdom of doctors. By the way, that's scripture, and I think it's one of the most... I guess, ignored in practice scriptures. Mark eleven twenty three. Verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. I do think there's much that God would like to do supernaturally in our lives. But we're content. This goes back to what we shared earlier. So many times we're content with our own resources rather than looking to see what miraculous thing God might want to do in our circumstance. I love this. So take this to God and run with it. Run with it. Wellness Wednesday. Back on the Vince Coakley Radio Program on this Wednesday. What are your thoughts about the items we shared for Wellness Wednesday? Let's go out to a call from Keith. Good morning and welcome, Keith in Shelby. Good morning, Vince. How are you? All right, sir. I was a prison chaplain for five years before they closed our unit down up here. You were talking about uh, the miraculous. And, uh, you know, you've got to go to the end of all your... Uh, everything you've got before you can see the miraculous. Amen. I got a call one morning that uh, one of the inmates' mother had died, and I was to give him the death notification. <laughs> I went over there, and the 
Holy Spirit told me before I went, he was going to show me something that day of the likes I'd never seen. And I went over and uh, went down to segregation, talked to this fellow, big old guy, told him, I hate to tell you this, but your mother was found dead this morning in the in the living room. And uh, she was DOA at the hospital. And then the Holy Spirit reminded me of what he told me. And I said, but let's pray. And he said, but you said she's dead. I said, yeah, but let's pray. He's God. And we prayed. I called Gaston Hospital. And the uh, call went straight into the emergency room area. And the nurse answered the phone. She said, you're not going to believe what I'm going to tell you. I just came out of that lady's room with the doctor. He was going to get the temperature to do the uh, time of death, get her temperature. And uh, he starts doing CPR on a dead woman. And she came back to life. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Now, I know a lot of people don't believe this. That's fine with me. I'm, I'm used to it. But uh, I took him down to that hospital, and he got to see his mother, and it was Mother's Day. Mm. And we had uh, we had two tables full of Mother's Day cards for the inmates, and uh, I got him to get a couple of cards. We went down, and we saw his mother. Anyway, uh he stayed in prison three months. She got out of the hospital, and uh, he was with her three months, and she passed away. But the Holy Spirit told me he would give he would give that fella a season with his mother. Hmm. And I've I've seen a lot of things like that happen over the years, and uh, it, it just surprises me that folks are content to go to worship that they don't really know who he is. Hmm. Uh, you've hit something on the head. It's, um, you know, I just, I really believe, I thank you so much for sharing that story because I I think a lot of times there are things God does not do simply because we do not ask. I mean, does does he not say you have not because ask. you ask not, right? Ask and knock. Yeah. Right. But I, I want to tell you I appreciate your, uh, your uh, outlook and your viewpoint. In this day and time, it's hard to uh, uh, find anybody that will stand up for what they know to be the truth. Uh, a lot you. of people stand up for untruth. You got that right. If you, well, Keith, if you stand up for the truth, you, uh, you, you, you will be, you'll come against uh, foes. No question about that. Keith, very much appreciate the testimony of what you have shared this I just want to inspire you to, just based on what he communicated, uh, and a lot of this comes down to, and he shared so many important things there, and one of them is this communion with God. When you have communion with the Father, this he's going to reveal things to you. He's going to tell you things sometimes. And that's where, that's I hate to use the word secret, but that's the secret of a lot of this, is... is following his guidance and a lot of times we have so much noise going on in our lives that we can't hear him and his is the most important voice to listen to i i know i'm not trying to stir up trouble here but there are a lot of people their ears are really tuned to their preacher but they're not really tuned to god those are two different things, and they don't have to be contradictory. But I'm saying, at the end of the day, it's vital that you hear from him in the moment. Because there are times, as this circumstance, where there are things he wants to reveal to you. That's some pretty cool stuff. Absolutely love that story. Some other items that we want to get to during the course of the broadcast... As you know, we have an ongoing immigration crisis because we have an administration that does not enforce our border. As you know, there have been efforts by leaders in Texas, in Florida, to send people to these places where they're supposedly welcome, these sanctuary cities that these liberals have said for years, come Come to our city. Well, now they're preaching a very different message. Among those cities, New York City, 
New York City. You've heard concerns expressed before by Eric Adams, who is the mayor of that city, about the migrant crisis, and now these situations are actually getting worse. Coming up on the broadcast, I will share with you what he has to say about how this migrant crisis will cause even more problems with our ongoing crime issues. Back on the Vince Coakley Radio Program, 36 minutes after the hour, 11 o'clock. Let's go out to a call from Mooresville and Paul. Good morning, Paul. Welcome. Good morning. Yes, sir. Uh, I had called in to share a story um, regarding the power of prayer and the curing power. Uh, two years after we were married, my wife was went in for a normal, regular mammogram, and they found something, and she went and had a lump back to me. They determined that it was cancerous. And, of course, the routine was uh, six months of chemotherapy, five and a half weeks of radiation, and six months of chemotherapy, or a total of a year of chemo. She didn't really care for the effects of the chemo. So subsequent to that, she had a few reoccurrences, uh, lymph nodes being affected. With, after blood tests, they would find this with the proteins that are evident from cancer cells. So she had four or five surgeries to remove lymph nodes. And then she went in for a test, and the, the levels were quite high. The CEA levels were quite high. Um, the normal person is supposed to be a 3, and she was a 56. So the doctor did a scan. I believe it was called a system EB scan. as an entire body scan, and they said you're completely lit up. The cancer's all through your body, and you're inoperable. So <clears throat> they were going to put her on a much stronger regimen of chemo. That was the only choice they had. And this one, they were going to put a portacath. They were going to implant the tube instead of just using an IV drip because it, it was apparently much more substantial. And um, she didn't want to do it. And she fell on her knees at home. And she told God, if this is what you want me to do, I'll do it. She said, but I don't want to do this. And then we went in for the blood test previous to the surgery to put the portacath in the implant. And she had a slightly elevated temperature, and so the surgeon wouldn't perform the surgery. So um, it was canceled temporarily. She went back in for another blood test, and she was friends with everybody in the, at the hospital. We'd been there so many times. She would take an Easter presents and a little Valentine's presents. So we were actually able to call the lab and get the results. And the re- results went down from 56, this protein level, down to like in the 30s. And... Um, we went back in to see the oncologist, and the oncologist said, well, there must be a mistake with the blood work. She said, uh, you know, you can't go down. So they sent her in for another blood test, and at that time, it had gone down into the 20s. And this happened several times until it went down to a normal range. Wow. And she never had to have any more surgeries or any more chemo, and she was cleared and deemed completely um, cancer-free. Mm, what a wonderful story. That is a great story. Uh, so appreciate yeah, you sharing that with us, Paul. So is she still doing well? Yes, she still has an oncologist as a regular regime. She goes in once every six months and has blood tests. She just went in, I don't know, a week or two weeks ago, maybe a month ago. And she has mammograms and she has blood tests and she's still cancer-free. Wow, uh, praise God. That's absolutely wonderful. It's amazing. I mean, I was sure she was going to die. That's that's scary. That is a scary feeling, isn't it? Just to have that. And watching her go through everything where they shoot the dyes into her and it stung so bad. I was I was with her for every medical appointment, every chemo, every radiation, every thing. And uh, this went on for five years, of course. But she, uh, the pain that she endured. Now she is out of it. That is absolutely wonderful to hear the outcome of this, Paul. Thank you very much yes. for sharing your story, and do pass on sure. our greetings to your better half. And uh, that's definitely a story of inspiration to us on this Wellness Wednesday. Wow, these kinds of things sometimes just send chills down my spine, just to think of the goodness of God and His intervention and how He has blessed us. Really, really good. 
earlier I mentioned the ongoing border crisis. And this is not complicated stuff, folks. If there were a will to keep illegal aliens out of the country, they could do it. The bottom line is they don't want to do it. So now we've got these migrants who are stacking up in city after city in this country. And one of the big questions, who's going to provide the resources to care for these folks? And in situations where money is obviously not provided, what services will cities find themselves having to not carry out in order to accommodate illegal immigrants? Well, if it's New York City, they've got to cancel police classes in order to pay to resettle all of these people. Eric Adams, who is the mayor of New York City, talked about the impact on policies to get crime under control. This was one of his big campaign issues, that he was going to bring New York City back to a place where it was safe to be, where it was free from the rampant crime that's existed in recent years. And basically, this reporter raised the question, hey, how are you going to do this in light of the fact that you've had to cancel police classes and you've still got more migrants coming into the country. Here is Eric Adams. You know, I, I, I think your question is so important because when I talk about the devastation impact of the migrant and asylum seekers, people only think about the volume of people that are coming in. There are byproducts to this cut in services like we had to, we had to postpone the police class, uh, looking at some of the uh, budgetary cuts of having a body of people, many young, who can't work. <laughs> you know, you don't even need an imagination to figure out that if you have someone four or five months and said you cannot work, you cannot feed your family, you cannot provide for yourself, what happens? You know, lack of opportunities, you know, an idle mind. You know, it's the devil's workshop, as they say. And so there are a lot of things that are feeding off of the migrant policy that, as I said a few months ago, we're going to start seeing the physical aspects of this crisis. We've done a good job of keeping that physical aspect away from New Yorkers. But the dam has burst. The dam has burst. And again, you have a Democrat administration, which is ultimately responsible for this still will not take responsibility and do what's necessary to secure the border. There's really no excuse at all to allow this to continue. None whatsoever. Love to get your thoughts on the concern expressed by the mayor of New York City. Still to come, we'll talk about a lawsuit that's been filed against Biden's Health and Human Services Department and a bizarre story, <laughs> some Weird stories here, to say the least, on some of the cultural things happening in our society. That much more as we continue the broadcast. You know, it's hard to interrupt music like that. <laughs> Final stretch of the Vince Coakley radio program. And I want to tell you about a lawsuit that has been filed right here in the United States of America. It's a lawsuit that involves 3,000 doctors. It's a lawsuit against the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services under President Biden's administration. The lawsuit aims to challenge a mandate that would require health care providers to offer gender-affirming care to children. Now, I want to give you a quick quiz. What does Vince Coakley call this so-called care? Do you remember what I call it? It's gender rejecting care because it's not affirming anything. It's affirming the opposite of what it needs to affirm. It needs to affirm if it's a boy, it needs to affirm that it's a boy. And the same if it's a girl. But gender affirming care means it's based on the child's feelings. This mandate proposed by the Biden administration seeks to provide 
what it considers essential medical care to children who identify as transgender or non-binary. However, the doctors involved in the lawsuit argue this mandate infringes upon their religious beliefs, medical ethics, and freedom of conscience. The lawsuit, filed by the group of doctors collectively known as the American Medical Association for Religious Liberty, they claim the mandate forces them to provide treatments and procedures they believe are not medically necessary or appropriate for children. Dr. John Smith, a spokesman, explained the group's concerns in a recent statement. While we respect the rights and identities of all individuals, we cannot compromise our professional ethics and religious convictions. This mandate disregards the well-being of children by subjecting them to unnecessary medical interventions. According to the lawsuit, the doctors argue gender-affirming care can have long-term physical and physiological consequences for children. Such treatments should only be offered to individuals who are adults and fully capable of making informed decisions about their own health care. See, this is what dictators do. See, whenever you hear these idiots talk about Donald Trump being a dictator, this is what this administration's doing. There's no law that was passed that would allow this to happen. This is an executive order. This is the equivalent of somebody just signing something with a pen and saying, this is what we're going to do. And you doctors better do it or we'll come after your license. This is how they work. So I applaud these doctors who are standing up for good sense. Somebody has to do it. Somebody. You ready for more insanity? How about this? The Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau made good in the week leading up to Christmas on his May 2023 promise to install dispensers for feminine hygiene products in men's bathrooms. What a wuss. Former Canadian Senator Linda Frum fumed that Canadian taxpayers are being forced to support transgender ideology. The New York Post corroborated Frum's tampon siding with a post from someone who presented themselves as a staffer in the House of Commons. They're also going to build dispensers for all the tampons, which won't be used since, one, men do not menstruate, and two, they're just going to bring them home to their wives for free. The cost of showering the men's rooms in Parliament with ladies' products might not be too hard, but the Canadian Labor Code now stipulates all female-identified, male-identified, and all gender toilet rooms will have to have menstrual products. This is also going to fall upon private sector potties as an unfunded mandate. The favored political instrument of Western authoritarians, critics slammed the regulation as an effort to eliminate masculinity and femininity, noting the regulations managed to stuff every bathroom with tampons without referring to either men or women, refers to tramp tampon users as menstruating employees. Oh, my goodness. I think you've heard enough of this story. <laughs> you ready for more nonsense? How about this one? A woman who describes herself as ecosexual believes she's in the midst of a love affair with an oak tree. <laughs> oh my goodness. Her name is Sonia Semyonova. Claims she connected with the tree during her lonely solo walks in the summer of 2021. Those walks began in 2020 during the coronavirus pandemic. It was the same year as she moved to Vancouver Island in British Columbia. I was walking a path near the tree five days a week for the whole winter. I noticed a connection with the tree. She had been craving that rush of erotic energy that comes when you meet a new partner. And that is not sustainable. The presence I feel with the tree is what I'm looking for. But that's a fantasy with a person. That feeling of being tiny and supported by something so solid. The feeling of not being able to fall. Further describing her erotic experiences with this tree. 
although she said she does not have physical relations with the oak. It's good to hear that. She might be barking up the wrong tree for that. I would lie against it. Oh my goodness there was an eroticism with something so big and so old holding my back asserting their major misconceptions about ecosexuality with the environmental group the Sierra Club describing as unabashedly queer the website here comes the ecosexuals defines ecosexuality in part as a person that finds nature romantic sensual and sexy I think I've had enough I, I can't take any more so it's time for me to make like a tree and leaf all right that's enough and thanks very much for joining us today oh my goodness have yourselves a great day and be safe out there God bless you